welcome to Detangling Development, a seven-part podcast series brought to you by UNIPID, the Finnish University Partnership for International Development. In this podcast, we dive deeper into important themes related to global development by interviewing a guest with expert insight or research in this specific topic. I'm your host, Melissa Plath. The theme of this episode is students' competencies in global responsibility. Global competencies are essential. In education, they promote cultural awareness and respectful interactions in an increasingly diverse world. According to the OECD, global competencies help people examine local, global, and intercultural issues, understand and appreciate the perspectives and worldviews of others, engage in interactions with people from different cultures, and in general promote sustainable development. Young people's global competence is perceived to be paramount to dealing with current and complex global issues like poverty, climate change, and globalization. Education can promote students' global competence to help them navigate an increasingly interconnected world. But which are these global competencies that students need, and how should they be fostered? Here with me today is Alexandra Birish, a master's student at the Changing Education Program at the University of Helsinki. She has a bachelor's degree in politics, psychology, law, and economics, and a master's degree in development studies from the University of Amsterdam. She was also a trainee at UNIPID in the fall of 2021 and actually helped coordinate and produce this podcast, Detangling Development. So thank you for that, Alex. She's passionate about education and her specific interests lie in education politics and policy, education sector development cooperation and international education. Currently, she's working on her master's thesis, which is investigating the role of education export in Finland's education sector development cooperation. Welcome, Alex, and we are so happy to have you here as a guest today. Thank you so much. This feels a bit odd being on this side of the equipment, but exciting. Um, This is now the second time you've been interviewed by Unipid. (laughs) Yes. How do you feel? (laughs) I am um, slightly less nervous for this one (laughs) than the traineeship interview, if that's what you were referring to. (laughs) That's very good to hear. Let's get you a little nervous today. (laughs) Sure. Keep me on my toes. I mean, I think the the kind of starting question for you is why are you interested in education development? Um, I think I realized at a pretty young age um, how incredibly important education has been for me um, at different uh, points in my life, in different phases, um, moving to Finland at a very young age and education being something that, um, yeah, helped, helped me feel comfortable in myself in a new society and as I uh, grew older and became really interested in kind of societal issues global issues I kept coming back to education I kept coming back to this idea that the issues that we're kind of uh, learning about that education might be at least part of the solution uh, and a really important part so that has kind of driven my my um, choices in education, where I studied, what I studied, and um, also something I'm very passionate about still and hoping to work with in the future. You're still a student. I am. (laughs) Um, Is there a link between what you're studying and this concept of global competencies, or are you studying, and while you're studying, do you feel like you're gaining global competencies? 
Yeah, definitely. I think I think there is very much a link there, um, and I think it manifests um, in many different ways. It's an international master's that I'm studying at um, in changing education, and I should add also the first ever international master's at the Faculty of Educational Sciences, so um, something very new, uh, which means, of course, that this uh, faculty um, is seeing more diversity than ever before, and I think it's shaking things up a little bit, um, and we're learning from each other. Um, in this very diverse and very international group of people. And I think when it comes to education, um, that's very important. Education is very kind of, um, in a way, nationally bound as well. Um, but these like global forces, of course, have, have descended upon this field um, as well. I don't, think, um, I don't think education is kind of uh, free, free from those influences either. Alex, how would you describe global competencies to a 10-year-old or to a stranger? If I were to describe global competencies to a 10-year-old, um, I would probably mention that global competencies, they help you feel at home in the world. They help you feel like you are part of the world. And these are things that you can do and things that you can learn to make friends with different people and teach them things and um, learn from them as well. I think that's a great entry point uh, into the next question, which is defining what global competencies are. So we hear how you would describe it to a 10-year-old, but how would you define global competencies? What are the global competencies that students actually need? Right, so... <clears throat> Right, so I think this is actually a really um, important point because um, the terminology is not super easy to navigate. The terminology is not very clear um, and there is significant overlap between, for example, what we refer to as global competencies um, and what we refer to as transferable skills, so skills that are useful in, in any kind of work environment, educational setting, um, but also what we um, refer to as 21st century skills. So I think it's important to, to note that if you're kind of diving into research um, and different publications about it that you might be reading about very similar things. So what are global competencies? Um, these are skills and knowledge uh, that help you navigate the world in the 21st century. Uh, I think that's kind of the easiest way to, to understand them. Um, and they are kind of divided into different, um, yeah, different skills, different capabilities. And uh, for example, one really popular framework uh, to describe global competencies um, are the four C's. So these are critical thinking, creativity, communication, and collaboration. But like I said, um, there's a ton of different models, there's a ton of different frameworks for it, but the idea is that all of these skills help you kind of connect to the world as it is right now, which is, I guess it goes without saying, but um, a globalized, increasingly globalized, increasingly interconnected, increasingly diverse 
um, world where the global issues that we face are are um, interdisciplinary as well. When you mentioned the four C's, those don't sound <laughs> inherently global to me. So mm. where is the global in those? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think on the face of it, I don't think that that they are inherently global. Um, and this is why I think the discourse around global competencies is really interesting, because I don't think that when you read through a list of these competencies, you don't think that... Um, yeah, you don't think that they're screaming like, okay, this is like a super outward looking um, revolutionary framework for, for teaching young people. But I think one huge focus um, in all of these is interacting with people who are different from you and understanding that issues need to be looked at from different perspectives, not just yours, and, and keeping kind of an open mind when you're examining points of views, issues, societal issues, um, arguments, things like that. So at the same time, I think it's important to mention that global competencies are really not only about looking outward. And I think one of the common kind of, not counter arguments, but one of the common kind of critiques maybe um, um, about this type of discourse is that it's like very cosmopolitan and, and encouraging everyone to just look outwards and, and kind of go along with these globalizing forces. But I do think that one of the strengths here with, with these um, different skills, the four C's and others, are that they are, they, they are very local as well um, in a way that young people, students, children um, benefit from them in, in multiple ways in different settings. And I don't think that they're needed only, let's say, when you have a diverse group of people, but they're useful for everyone in any setting. Right. So the point then is that they are not, as you said, inherently outward looking or global as mm -hmm. such, but they help people, students to function in a world which is becoming more global and to function either at the local level or at a global level. Exactly. A much more eloquent way to put it. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about these kind of general uh, global competencies, but uh, as a student, what are the specific competencies that you feel like you need in order to kind of uh, work in the future? So one thing that has become increasingly clear to me, uh, not only in navigating my own studies, um, but also studying education and studying learning, um, is that critical thinking is absolutely crucial. And um, in practice, I think this means that anyone, including myself, really needs the, the ability to um, examine, investigate issues, whether they are local or, or these like bigger global issues, to investigate them, to look at them from different perspectives, um, to be able to communicate clearly um, um, and analyze clearly and um, also, I think, take action accordingly. Right. So if you had to summarize why global competencies are important to foster among students, how would you do that? I think um, answering that question comes in two parts. I think at the individual level, these are skills 
that are are beneficial to everyone. Um, and I know that in, in these various publications by, for example, the OECD, the um, Asia Society, they, they kind of, the publications make a clear emphasis that, that there are individual benefits in gaining access to these global competencies, um, whether it is, um, you know, studying effectively, learning effectively, uh, developing useful skills, or, you know, entering a successful, meaningful, um, fulfilling career. So I think, um, I think there's definitely something to that. Um, and, and we just discussed kind of my own view on, on the competencies, the global competencies that I have been lucky enough to acquire. Um, but um, myself, I'm much more actually interested in the higher level, the kind of system level. And I think the reality is, um, and, uh, and also this is an argument that is very much um, um, brought out also in these publications, in the research, in the discourse, it is that the kind of the world needs people to have these competencies because as mentioned, the issues that we're facing right now, that studies show that young people are worried about climate change, conflict, violent conflict, rising inequality, income and wealth inequality. These are incredibly complex, multifaceted, interdisciplinary issues that will not be solved, let's say, by us working on them in silos separated from each other with no collaboration, no communication. Um, so I think ultimately these two aspects, the individual and the, let's say societal, of course they interact. But I think, yeah, I think uh, that's kind of a comprehensive way to answer the why question. Thank you. You started talking a bit about the systems level and I think it's interesting to get back to that for a moment when we think about the obstacles that students are facing uh, from developing global competencies or then uh, the things that are already working well at the system level. So what are these obstacles? What can be done to overcome these obstacles? And what's already working well for, for students to attain global competencies? Of course, I understand it might be difficult to talk in a very general way. So if it makes more sense to focus on Finland, then then let's do that. But um, in general, kind of at the system level, what what's what's broken and what's mm. working? Right. I think this is a very this is a very difficult question, uh, because like you said, I think it's it's um, difficult to generalize. But um, I'll start with what's broken. I have a concern um, around this kind of framework or these frameworks of, of global competencies that equity might not um, always be taken into consideration. What I mean by this is that I have been thinking about the practical ways, the, the real concrete ways in which students gain global competencies. And I have, you know, started to become much more concerned now that I've been doing research about the fact that not everyone has access to these practical ways. Um, and what I mean by that is engaging with people from, from different countries through, let's say, exchange, international exchange, completing internships or traineeships abroad, uh, participating in uh, different international conferences, like um, the very well-known popular ones, uh, Model United Nations, Model European Parliament, Youth Parliament, etc. Um, not that these are the only ways, but these are some of the ways that I don't think are accessible to everyone. 
Um, I'm also concerned about the importance of technology. Uh, not that that is an issue inherently, but what I'm concerned about, especially now, because the pandemic has shown us that that um, it's an equity issue also um, of who has access to technology and who has the ability to access education when times are tough, like they have been now during the pandemic. We have enough statistics now to show that many children around the world, uh, many young people around the world have been unable to access education, have simply just missed out on now years of education uh, due to the fact that the policies, uh, digital learning policies have been unable to reach them. So the importance of, of kind of technology and learning how to use technology, going back to the four C's to communicate and collaborate effectively is not, um, is not accessible to everyone. So that's, that's a big concern. And, and I don't know how to kind of summarize this. Um, maybe saying that I, I, I'm worried about uh, the work and discourse around global competencies being a little bit exclusionary, mm. potentially a little bit elitist, and um, overlooking maybe the most vulnerable, marginalized uh, populations of, of young people and students. So I think that's, um, that's something that needs to be taken into account whenever kind of concrete actions are taken to, to improve young people's global competencies. Another issue is that I don't think you can effectively learn global competencies if the um, teaching pool hasn't gained those global competencies. So there is a mismatch, a mismatch there, I would say. Um, I think in Finland, for many different reasons, the labor force in this field, in the education field, is incredibly well-developed. You know, teachers need to have degrees legally in order to teach, primary education, master's degrees, in fact. Continuous learning, lifelong learning is encouraged, uh, training on the job occurs, and I think Finland has had um, an outward look, an international look on education for quite a while. And digitalization has also, for example, been something that the government has been pushing for in education. But that's not the case everywhere. So I'm originally Romanian. I'm very, very interested in uh, Romanian education, in the Romanian education system, and have done research on the Romanian education system. And, um, you know, from the interviews that I've done, from the people that I've met and talked to, I know that that is not always the case, that the teachers are not always comfortable uh, teaching these skills and and engaging in conversations with uh, students on these issues. And of course, then, you know, you, you basically are in a situation where you have to, let's say, teach two generations uh, of people, maybe at the same time, or kind of sacrificing one generation in order to kind of teach um, teach teachers and then hopefully eventually in the future, they will be able to kind of pass that along. Okay, so we've heard what's broken, but Alex, what's working well? Mm, I think there's a lot of things that are uh, working well, especially in Finland. I've done most of my education in, in Finland and have returned to Finland after um, doing my bachelor's and master's degree um, in Amsterdam. So I feel most comfortable kind of talking about the Finnish context. Yeah, I think, I think like I said, teachers um, in Finland, the, the kind of labor force um, in the education system is 
um, very well developed um, and I have felt throughout my own education that I have been encouraged to learn these skills, to gain this knowledge, uh, whether it is being presented with uh, different global issues and, and asked to reflect on them in, in groups and present ideas and, and collaborate and things like that. But I've also been incredibly lucky and I, and I do wanna kind of point out that this is um, an immense privilege. I've been um, encouraged to go abroad to go abroad and participate in um, international conferences and um, to go abroad on, on exchange and study abroad. So um, I think, I think these, um, these are things kind of that can occur in a way, both through mobility, um, moving, moving in the world, uh, but also, um, from from let's say from your school desk and engaging with the people around you with your classmates or from home as is the case i guess during a pandemic so we've heard what global competencies are uh, we've heard a little bit about why we should have them why they're important to foster uh, and the next question is how can we actually promote global competencies and the attainment of global competencies? In terms of answering this question of how, um, I think it links really closely to the issues that I brought up, I, the, the things that are broken, I think, in this framework and, and maybe have been overlooked. Um, so one clear thing is that uh, conscious, active uh, training of, of educators and teachers to themselves gain these global competencies, critical thinking skills, creativity, communication, collaboration um, is absolutely crucial. I think there's no getting getting around it. Um, and, and also really to like make a commitment to make sure that these are, um, these are skills and this is knowledge that is accessible to all teachers. Um, not only teachers are like, let's say, on a voluntary basis who are interested in, in um, let's say, taking an international perspective on education and not for teachers who feel like they have to because they have a diverse student pool that they teach, but to kind of emphasize that these are absolutely necessary skills. And I think, I think this is kind of what the discourse, at least from international organizations like the OECD, um, these are things that are, are kind of emphasized, that these are necessary skills. There, there's no way of, of getting around them. Young people need them to navigate um, the, the world that we currently live in. So I think to put it in a different way, not training all teachers to be able to provide this knowledge and help their students develop this skill, these skills is kind of like an active choice of, of who gets to actually develop these skills which young people um, get to successfully navigate uh, a complex world and which student do, students do not. So I think this is, I think this is um, a key point in, in uh, answering how global competencies um, should be fostered. Um, then um, I would like to go back to the equity question as well. And this links, of course, this links also to, to educating teachers I think there needs to be an effort uh, made to ensure that uh, learning 
on this topic occurs in all types of schools, um, in, in, in all types of regions, um, not only in urban kind of environments, but in rural schools as well, where there might be, I think, unfortunately, a, a perspective that unless there is a diverse group of students in the classroom, that there might be no need. Why would you need to engage with someone who might um, be from a different culture, from a different country than you, if, if um, there is no one like that in your immediate surroundings? But the assumption here that is, I think, inherent, that I haven't mentioned explicitly, at least, um, during this conversation, the assumption is that we won't be able to kind of get away from, from this, like, because of the way the world is, and I think the direction that the world is increasingly moving towards, the uh, assumption is that we are all going to, in one capacity or another, let's say work with someone um, who, who is different from us, who has different ideas, who has a different set of values, maybe assumptions about the world, and, and we need to be able to um, be open-minded about that. So I think this is also a key point that if these skills indeed are necessary, and I myself believe that they are, everybody needs to be in a place where they can access them in an equitable way. And finally, I think it's important to realize that teaching global competencies does not have to mean revamping the curriculum, like scrapping everything and just going back to the drawing board and starting over. I think what it really is, is adapting the way that schools function and the topics and the subjects that are dealt with and um, kind of injecting them with um, real life examples, for example. That's a very kind of concrete way, I think. And, and fostering young people's curiosity. And most importantly, I think, um, encouraging them to feel ownership of their kind of place in the world and and encouraging them to feel connected to the world rather than making students feel like they belong at the desk listening copying writing down what is being said not questioning which unfortunately I think still happens um, and I think uh, this is also kind of an inherent belief in this framework for global competencies that there are still lots and lots and lots of, of people around the world young people children who are being taught in ways that would have made sense for the 19th or the 20th century so I think these are ways in which global competencies uh, have to be fostered. Alex so who then is responsible for promoting global competencies? Um, I think we might be tempted um, to kind of focus on the individual responsibility here, the, the responsibility of students to kind of um, push for, for you know, learning these uh, global competencies and for them to be very active and engaged in, in seeking out opportunities um, to, you know, gain more global competencies. And while I don't think that individual responsibility is, you know, completely to be ignored, I really do think that it's, it's, um, it's a question of, of collective responsibility. And I think hugely important is, is policy making. So I think decision makers at national levels, 
at regional levels, also within schools, uh, need to make decisions to make activities and, and adapt teaching and curricula in a way that, that global competencies um, can be taught to students. What I do think is important, however, and I, and I realize now that the way that, ha- that I have been kind of talking about global competencies is a very top-down uh, way, and I, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like, like it should be something that is simply uh, imposed on students, that it's something that it should, should simply be taught um, by someone you know, who's a teacher or a- an educator, an expert, and that students should simply just like soak it up and, and uh, you know, move on with their studies or move on with their careers. I do think that student perspectives are hugely important. I think young people are curious. I think young people are also anxious about, you know, the world right now. They are passionate about uh, global issues like climate change. And I think that we should really listen listen to them, listen to students, um, because I think they're very much capable of communicating what skills and what knowledge and, and what type of conversations they want to have. And that includes young young students as well. Um, one thing that, for example, I think um, has been very successful in Finland that I know hasn't been um, as widely implemented in Romania, for example, is uh, playing with tech playing with tech, learning how to code um, at a very young age, um, I mean, and kind of implementing, um, let's say, gamification, which also, again, not unproblematic, but but definitely something that I think prepares young people much better for like the world that they're entering than the world that they're already a part of, in fact. So I think kids, young people around the world are very, very, very capable of communicating what it is that they want and what it is that they need from their education and from the activities um, outside of education that they engage in. So I thank you uh, for inviting me and talking about that. We've now spoken quite a bit about the kind of responsibility for for teaching, teaching teachers, teaching students, uh, and focused a lot on on comprehensive and secondary education. Uh, but what about the the role of higher education in promoting global competencies? What is the role and what should we demand from higher education? Um, yeah, I think this is an interesting question because because I think there's a special role for a higher education here. And I think that is that lies in in research, um, especially because I think that if you're coming to higher education and you have not yet been able to access kind of learning or you haven't been able to engage in activities that have helped you uh, develop global competencies, I think higher education um, from like a personal perspective can be made very, very difficult. If it's, let's say, for the, f- the first time that you're asked for your opinion or the first time you're asked to develop an argument, or if it's the first time you're being asked to collaborate in a diverse group of people with different perspectives and you need to come up with like one product, one essay or one speech or, you know, um, I think it can ma- be made very difficult. So, so in that way, I think teaching around these topics needs to occur much earlier on. But yeah, I think I think higher education is somewhere where you can really um, kind of dive deeper 
into global competencies and develop them even further, again, from like a personal perspective. And I think if you look at the framework of the OECD, um, the, the one of the kind of last steps of global competencies is after examining, after kind of critically assessing, um, let's say, a global issue um, after engaging with other thinkers and their perspectives and communicating effectively them you should take action and I think this is something that maybe higher education is a very fruitful environment for um, when when you're like able to really apply yourself um, and take action according to what it is that you've learned uh, from from your own um, yeah, from your own work, but also from, from others. And so that's kind of like from the personal perspective. But I think, I think again, going back to the kind of system level, I think higher education is, is kind of crucial because uh, I think more research is needed about how uh, global competencies are being taught, how policies, global policies, um, let's say recommendations, um, how are they actually put into practice? And again, because I'm obsessed with <laughs> inequality and inequity, um, I would like to see more research on on the kind of barriers um, also to, to gaining these uh, so-called necessary skills. So I think I think uh, that kind of gives higher education a, a special role in this discourse, in this discussion. I'd also think that higher education and especially research in this area would help us to identify uh, the kind of evolving competencies mm. that are needed because they will change and Absolutely. there will be new competencies that we need. So being able to identify these these types of um, skills, I think, is, is probably also a role for research. Yeah, also, yeah, because I think we need to be one one step ahead. Yeah, we cannot be stuck. Um, we we cannot be in a in another situation where, in a hundred years, we're like, okay, so so the global competencies that we've been teaching are based on kind of uh, research that we did a hundred years ago and insights that we gained a hundred years ago, and now again, I I don't know if they're going to be wildly different. I don't know if like communication and collaboration is ever going to be like out of style, um, but uh, how we engage with technology and and the influences of digitalization, they might, they might very well change and, and change quite rapidly. So yeah, I think the innovative aspect uh, that I that is a possibility in higher education is very important. So we're already moving to the future. Yes. <laughs> the next question and the final question is looking really into the future. What's next? Something that occurred very recently is that global competencies were added to the PISA assessment, the international assessment tool that has been used for a long time to um, assess learning outcomes in different countries and, and compare. Not an unproblematic tool, but that's a discussion for a different time, but, but a tool that is being used uh, for policymaking in different parts of the world. So global competencies were added, I think, a year or two ago, something like that, so very recent. And definitely, I will be uh, following up on, on uh, the results from, from these studies in the future, because I think we do need data uh, to be able to make decisions about what, how, why, and, and especially the kind of evolving nature of these skills and the skills that are needed um, in the future 
from from young people for them for them to succeed in their lives, but also uh, for the world to have a well-rounded, well-educated, uh, open-minded group of people dealing with complex global issues. Well, thank you, Alex, for joining us. This was a very interesting conversation, and let's see what kind of uh, global competencies we're going to be developing in the future. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the final episode of Detangling Development. I hope you've enjoyed the series and that you've gained new insights into the tangled constellation of global development issues. In this podcast, we've aimed to highlight Finnish research and expert perspectives on some of the most current topics in the field of development and present a bigger picture of how these challenges and the efforts to address them are interlinked. Although the topics we have discussed have been wide-ranging, each episode has brought out some key challenges, but also opportunities for creating a more sustainable and equitable global development. If you found the topics we've discussed interesting and you want to know more, follow us on Twitter at Unipid Finland and visit us at our website, www.unipid.fi. My name is Melissa Plath. Thank you for listening to Detangling Developments. This episode was produced and edited by Kelly Brito and Alexandra Birish. Our original theme music is by Vesa Plath. This has been Detangling Development.